Life is full of personal wins. Whether it's cleaning your house, getting that dream car, or checking off your to-do list, winning at life is a great feeling. And with the State Farm Personal Price Plan, you can keep winning when you create an affordable price just for you by bundling home and auto. So give yourself a round of applause. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to Nerdist Podcast number 754. Let's just jump immediately to the Nerdist Community Corkboard. Real things from you, the Nerdist Community, and your goings-on. Hmm, that's super catchy. Um, this is from the Nerdist School. What happens when you put several dozen actors, improvisers in their late teens and early 20s in a room together? Come find out! If you're in college, not enrolled or graduated, you're invited to attend Nerdist School's first annual College Comedy Nerd Fest, November 13th to the 15th. Anyone 18 to 24 is invited to get some great improv and sketch training, see great shows, and network at Nerdist School. It's 35 bucks while early bird registration is still open until November 5th. It's three days when this posts. If it's after November 5th and you're hearing this, I don't know, listen to stuff sooner. Tommy Avalone writes, I wanted to post about a film I'm producing called Ghost Heads. We are celebrating the culture impact of the movie Ghostbusters and what it's had on the public for the last 31 years. We follow people who dress like Ghostbusters, build their own proton packs, restore their Cadillacs to look like the Ecto-1. My last documentary, I Am Santa Claus, that was produced by Mick Foley and Morgan Spurlock, followed around people who dress like Santa Claus and love Christmas. With Ghost Heads, I will do the same uh, with Ghostbusters groups and their love for the movie. They've just launched an Indiegogo, which can be found at ghostheadsmovie.com. That makes sense. Fantastic, everyone. Also, uh, I will be doing the stand-up comedies uh, in Salt Lake City coming up and Phoenix. And uh, where else am I going to be? Kansas City. Then uh, next year, oh, uh, Nashville, Bloomington, I believe Atlantic City, Baltimore, and then San Francisco for the Fun Comfortable stand-up special taping at the Palace of Fine Arts. FunComfortableTour.com is the URL for that. Um, This episode is Emily Kinney, uh, who's rad. She played Beth on a show called Walking Dead, but um, she's also a songstress. She is a fantastic musician, singer-songwriter. As you may know if you watched Walking Dead, Beth liked to sing. Well, Emily actually sings and writes songs. So uh, she actually played a few songs in this podcast, and we recorded it at SIR Studios. And it's kind of funny, there there was a thumping sound through the wall, and in the beginning, and I was like, "Who the hell is that?" And they're like, "Oh, that's a uh, Dave Kahn. He's refer- he's rehearsing with Soul Savers at the moment." Uh, I wanted to knock and then and then say hi to him, but I didn't because I like to be respectful. So uh, Emily Kinney, by the way, is promoting her new album. It's called "This Is War." It is out now, and she constantly does dates on the road. So look for her online. Go see Emily Kinney when you get a chance. She's wonderful. And now here's the Nerds Podcast number seven fifty four with Emily Kinney. Now entering Nerdist.com. 
Yeah, this is where yeah. we record bands because it just the setup here is better. Yeah, totally. Most of the shows we record at my show at midnight. There's a little room there that we record. It's I see. N- not as fancy as this at all. Oh, okay, cool. It just looks like a creepy office where, for the last almost hundred years, just weird auditions have happened. In. <laughs> so this is a much friendlier. As we yeah. found out that while you were playing here, Depeche Mode is rehearsing in another studio. It's last time we were here, Kiss was in this room. So this is a pretty crazy. There's a pretty crazy collection of people that, that yeah. play here. Yeah, it's cool. I uh, like it. So where are you? Uh, are you currently on tour now? Uh, we just finished a few shows, uh, like release shows, basically. So we did, you know, L.A., Philly, D.C., and New York City, and that was all last week. So right now, no shows, but we'll be doing a bunch in November. And uh, do you, when you go out, do you, mm-hmm. do you just kind of go city to city, or do you do the tour bus thing? Um, yeah, we go, well, 
the last tour that we did um, was 33 cities, seven weeks, and we <sighs> did, but we did a van and a trailer. Oh, that's nice. So, so we did like sleep. We slept at hotels and stuff at night. Like we weren't like <laughs> sleeping on the bus, and it was it was cool. It was like small quarters. You know, a bus would be nice, but it was fine. It was really fun. I think it's good. I think it's. I think that's. I don't know. It just sort of adds to the mystique of the whole thing. I think you know. I think it's good to not be too cushy all the time. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think I think we were we were fine. Yeah, it was fun. We all like were cozy on the van together and. I got to know what everyone's snack of choice was, you know? Like, when you go to 7-Eleven, like, <laughs> I got to know, like, every everybody knew each other's snack and coffee choices, and um, it worked out. It was really, really fun. I mean, I say this, and, of course, you came off a show where you were covered in blood every day and <laughs> yeah, it really picking ticks off like... <laughs> your body at the end of the day. Yeah, totally. This I was, like, very clean on this tour compared to, like, my job on Walking Dead, you know? I was very, like, you know, showered and not covered in dirt, and so it was fun. People st- people still adore you, and still I still Aww. get the R.I.P. Beth, you know, whenever we I do know. our show. People, you know. I know. I, I just saw, I went to the Walking Dead premiere on Friday. At Madison Square Garden. Yeah, and I saw Robert Kirkman and Scott Gimple, and they were like, you have to tell your fans we're because fr- I'm totally friends with them, especially Scott Gimple. Like sure. he sends me pictures of his baby and stuff yeah. like that. And they're like, they're still mad at me. They still send me like <laughs> mean tweets. <laughs> so, like, so people stop sending them mean tweets. They're very good people. It nice really people. and it and it really sucks. And, <laughs> and unfortunately, killing our favorite characters is one of the things that drives the show because it, it uh, that's how the other characters are yeah. affected and and one by one and and. I never predicted when I took this job how attached I would be yeah. and how uh, how bad I feel when I know, especially, you know, like, oh, no, as soon as I saw – because you're – obviously, huge spoiler. But if you're not caught up on Walking Dead, that's your Come fucking, on. That's your fucking fault. Come on. They're starting season six. Catch up. <laughs> but, but your, your death was so sudden at the end of that episode and so like, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, what just happened? Yeah. And then, of course – you know, then I feel like I need to come on and counsel everyone and make them feel okay. Yeah. But you coming on the couch and being there, and I'm sure it wasn't easy, but letting people know that you, Emily, are okay. And, yes. you know, like that's so important for the fans. Yeah, definitely. I think even now, you know, if I see people and they come up to me and say like, oh, I watched you on the show. I was so sad when you died. They seem happy to see me though, like up like a lot, like yeah. like it's almost this form of sort of therapy or something being like, oh, see, it's just pretend, you know, yeah. here I am in real life. Everything's <laughs> fine. Because people you get know. super locked in every Sunday night. They're just, you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They're into it. And I, you know, it's, 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 it's it, it is the benefit of having one of the most passionate fan bases is that. It's great, you know, when everyone's on your side. But then, like, like you said, like Robert or Scott or Scott, or if I oh. or if I say something that people don't like, then it's just they get really. Oh angry, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, I definitely appreciate that everyone like really connected to that character and missed it and misses it, and like that's you know that makes me feel like oh we did a good job making that character if everyone feels so much for her and yeah. misses her and so it's all good yeah, yeah they did and and just so you know i know ne- i didn't see anyone who was like good you know like <laughs> yeah, everyone was yeah. like no <laughs> and being into for weeks people would say get them to bring her back make it be a you know like make it be a dream or something or make it be an alternate reality yeah <laughs> i mean did you was your your experience on the show was it could it was it anything that you could have possibly imagined it just seems so beyond anything yeah i mean i uh Man, I no, I didn't expect 
any of it. You know, I mean, I I definitely was like working steadily as an actor in New York. And like f- when I first started working on the show, um, I was hired as a recurring role. So I thought, oh, I'll do, you know, a few episodes. It'll be really awesome. I really wanted to work with Frank Darabont. And like at that point, only um, the first season, which was six episodes, had come out. And so I knew it was like had this great fan base and I was really excited, but I had no idea that it would become, you know, four years of my life. Now it's still a big part of my life. I mean, I still go to conventions. I went to the, they became some of my really great friends, you know, on the show. I, um, had all these like amazing experiences and I didn't have any idea when I started that it would become this huge part of my life. What do you think, what, what do you think Beth's journey was? Like, where do you think she started and where do you think she ended up by the end? Oh, man. Um, Big ticket question. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think she started... I think she was always... I do feel like she was all along, like, very much of, like, a caretaker and a very, like, strong person. So I feel like that was a thread that was throughout, even from the very beginning, season two. Um, But I do feel like she grew up a lot. Like, I do think, you know, she had to grow up really fast in the circumstances she was in. And um, I feel like you see her in the first seasons really listening and seeing how she, she fits into the group and how she can help. And then by the end, I think she's like, once she's with Daryl and, um, and on, she starts to really take control. Mm -hmm. And I think that she really grows up and becomes stronger and realizes, um, you know, what more of what she stands for. And, um, yeah, I think she grew up and really became like one from like being a teenager to being like a woman and like, you know, taking on all the roles that she needed to take on. Like you see her in the last season, not with the group and just having to stand on her own. Did the experience for you, how did it affect your songwriting? Like, I mean, cause obviously yeah. it's an emo- you're going on an emotional journey yeah. and you're, you know, you're going to be writing based on whatever kind of stuff you're trying to get expressed. So how Definitely. Did, did it affect your songwriting? It totally did. And not just the show, like, like the storyline of, of Beth, you know, the arc of, Beth, but more the story, like the storyline of like my life of now I'm living in Georgia for a big part of the year and the people that I met. I mean, I met people that I dated and that became um, part of the stories that I was writing in my songs and the, the surroundings that I, that I was in become part of my lyrics. Um, There is one song on my new album called Last Chance and that one I remember coming up with sitting down um, after being, I, I had like, I had like one free day after filming. I'd gone back to New York just for the day and I wrote this song and it was about the end of the world. And I was sort of wondering to myself, why am I coming up with all these lyrics about like the end of the world and like, this is our last chance. And it, it is like a love song, but there's like things about how you're wandering through the streets and people have blank faces. And I was definitely referencing like zombies and, sure. you know, so that is, it, it, it definitely seeped into my songwriting for sure. What do you, when, when someone says, what do you do? What's your, what do you say? Cause you do, well, you do a lot of different things. So do you, yeah. do you say you're an actor or a songwriter or do you just generalizing? Oh, I'm a performer. No, I, I usually say I'm an actor and a songwriter. Cause I feel like that's what I, even almost more than a singer, I feel like I'm a writer, like a songwriter. Like I write poems a lot and it, um, so, but of course acting, I mean, I love it. I love it. So I feel like I'm both of those things is what I 
what I said. Because you've been working. I mean, I, I saw I saw you on the Flash, uh, yeah. which I, lo- I love. The Flash. Yeah, I, I do love too. The Flash. It's such yeah. a fun show. Totally. But then you were also on the Nick. Uh, yes. And uh, what and what other you uh, Masters of Sex? Masters I of just sex. finished an arc on Masters of Sex, and then the Nick will come out next weekend because I'm I'm not in it until season two. Yeah, but yeah. What do you think the challenge is for you? As you know, because people identify you like they've identified you so much as Beth because that show yeah. is just so enormous. And so, has it been a little bit of a you know, no, no, I get it, I did that character, but now you know, I'm gonna do yeah. this other stuff too. Yeah, well, mostly it's been good. I feel like, and I do feel like a lot of Beth fans, if they happen to like tune in, if they do take the time to actually listen to the music, I do feel like it's you know they do relate to it in a certain way. Like a lot of times it's, you know, Beth has a lot of like female teenage girl fans cause that, cause that's who Beth was. And so, sure. and then my music, I feel like also sort of appeals to that same, same group. So in a lot of ways it's been amazing because, um, there's that audience. And if you're making something, if you're making songs, well, you need an audience. <laughs> you need someone to listen to them, you know? So, so mostly I would say it's been great. And, um, but there is there is definitely always that like backlash of like you know like oh you're trying to do music like you're tr- you know like right. like wait what are you now because people want to know they want to be able to be like oh Emily Kinney and she's this she plays Beth and there's like a whole range of things that we all do every day you know it's not just one job but we all have lots of little aspects to our personality and so I think it does get a bit confusing sometimes for people but. Um, I kind of just have to do what I want to do. Yeah, and, and ultimately, eventually, <laughs> yeah. they'll catch up. Even if it, even if it yeah. takes a minute, they'll go, oh, okay, and then they'll start to expand how they see you. But that a lot of that's on you to just continue doing what you want to do. Yeah, and I do feel like, you know, Masters of Sex was a very different kind of role, and I think that helped people be like, oh, that's, like, very different than than Walking Dead. And um, I like playing all kinds of stuff. I mean, I loved playing Beth. That was really, really fun. But I feel like there's a lot of other things I want to do, you know, too, so... Was there any aspect, like, of all the characters that you played, is there one in particular that you feel more represents who you are? Or do you find that they're just all shades of you? I feel like they're all different, you know. I always bring in myself, of course, to whatever character. But I feel like they're all just little different parts of me. But, I mean, Beth I played for so long. that I feel like she just, like, became a part of... I mean, I part of me especially you know season two there wasn't much so a lot of it was my imagination create you know there wasn't a lot of scenes with beth or a lot written so a lot of it was things that we were me and maybe like the costume designer or like when we talked as a group like who is beth like that we were coming up with on our own in a certain way so um i do feel like there's a lot of things like beth that are like me i mean we both love music (laughs) we both love to sing so you know and then they were the, the producers aware of this, or did you say like, "Hey, you know, if you wanted to throw in some songs, Beth, Beth, Beth would be totally happy to do those." <laughs> um, I didn't say anything, but when I started on the show, I had just finished my first um, EP, which was Blue Toothbrush, and they, and in between seasons two and seasons three, I had played a bunch of shows like in New York and LA, and. Um, so they knew that that was like a part of like something that I do. Mm-hmm. And they had uh, a couple of writers had come to my shows just cause we all, you know, became friends and stuff. And so I think they knew that if they wanted to add that in, that that was something that they could do. And so it became something for season three. Like it originally wasn't a part of Beth's character. 
Yeah, she. I, I'm thinking back now. Now that we're six seasons almost, but I know. the but but her. But I feel like her character was really. I feel like kind of the first one. A lot of the characters go through this journey where they kind of die a bit. Yeah. Or they decide to just give up, or they they choose death. You know, mm-hmm. and then if they can emerge from that, then they're stronger. And if not, then they weren't really equipped to survive in the world. And Beth yeah. goes through that. I think was one of the maybe the first character to be like, I just choose death. I don't want this anymore. I don't care anymore. And yeah. then had to emerge and, you know, become stronger. Yeah, definitely. I think um Yeah, she sort of went through that really quickly. Like she was like, I'm done with this, I'm not doing it. But it kind of put glad, that idea yeah. of like you have to choose, you know, especially in that world, you have to you choose have to choose to that like okay, this is what I'm going to do this. Yeah, I'm, I'm all I'm gonna, just going to go for it because it is hard sometimes when I when I'm watching the show and I'm like, they all have this thing. Mm-hmm. Why like why do you think anyone would decide to go on at that point? Yeah, you you've lost all, so many people around you. It seems like death is just around the corner. Like right. why even try? Just give in and yeah. like, just make it stop. I guess that's like the maybe being a zombie's rad. Like you don't know because you know not, it could be it could yeah, be amazing. Just go, with the zombies go. Where did you grow up? Um, I grew up in Nebraska. Oh wow! Yeah. Um, so my parents moved around quite a bit, but it was always like little tiny small farm towns. But mostly North Bend, Nebraska, and um, Wayne, Nebraska is where I went to high school. And then I moved to New York when I was nineteen, twenty, in um, New York City. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's good. You know, like I, I, I grew up in the South. I have a lot of friends in the Midwest and it's always it's always interesting because it is it, it can be a very safe existence. Just yeah. stay in the community that you're in, you know, have have kids or whatever, like stay there or yeah. drive and that. But, you know, the, that itch to get out, not everyone does it. So it's it's a pretty, you know, it can be a risky proposition. Yeah, it was definitely scary. I would have to say, I think the first year in New I mean, now I love New York City and it feels like that's my home. Yeah. But when, my first year in New York City, I remember just being like, this sucks. <laughs> what? Like, everything is harder. Like, I li- it was like, first, live, you know, I lived all these different places. Once I lived for a summer with um, two other girls in a studio and we would, we had like, a bed and a futon we would like I don't know why I'm telling you this this is great but we would like rotate who got to like have the bed to themselves (laughs) but it was fine because it was almost like being in a dorm you know and we were and um we were all really busy and I was working on a play and so I was like really happy to be like it was just for a summer or two but um that studio was probably like, like three grand it was it was right in Midtown I think I wanted to live there I remember my friend Kelly asking if I wanted to and just like help with rent and I was like, well, at least I'll be in a safe neighborhood. Because at that right. point, too, I was still just, like, really s- kind of scared about things in New York. Like, everything felt kind of scary. And I thought, well, I'll be with a friend. And it's, like, in a safe neighborhood. It was, like, Midtown East. You kind it of, like, felt safe to You're me. almost surviving the New York apocalypse. Yeah, yeah. I felt <laughs> so. And we had, like, these shelves. And we put all of our clothes, and like... Like in this long hallway before you got into the studio, we put all of our clothes on these shelves. I'll never forget it because we built them so that we would have our full, you know, wardrobe. Boy, I feel like <laughs> o- you could only do that with 
you could only do that with girls if it were dudes. I don't like three dudes sharing. Yeah, a bed. I You're don't like, know. Oh, that come on, yeah, it, it <laughs> yeah. sounds so gross. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, just in terms of like how messy. Yeah. And just like, did anyone wash these? Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> you know, like they don't. Also, like you just never have time to yourself. But the, I remember too. This I feel like I lived there, and then I also lived at the Barnes and Noble that was down the street. Oh, of you course. know what I mean? Because it was like you would just get up, and I just feel like, oh, I just want to like sit by myself. So like, go get coffee, read a book. Like, I read library. so many books. <laughs> <laughs> when you first, when you really started working, was Walking Dead kind of the first big thing? Um, no, actually, I, um, I mean, it, I mean, big, I guess, is sure, compared sure, sure. to, but no, I mean, I, I, after that was like that summer with those girls was like my first like equity, you know, play or whatever, and then I started going to a lot of open calls and. I worked on several theater things. I worked off Broadway. I worked on a Broadway show, Spring Awakening. Oh yeah, yeah, I know August, that show. August Osage County. Um, I loved that play. That was like, I loved that part. How come? I just read it. I remember reading it when it was still in Chicago before it been brought to Broadway, and I was like, oh, it reminds me of things that people have said in my family. Like it's about a big dysfunctional family, and I played um, this kind of pothead teenager and. I just really related to her. I don't know. Like, like just she's sort of analyzing all the things and the problems of her parents and um, doesn't talk to anyone until she talks to the housekeeper. She was just like building up all these things that she would say and then go on these long rants to the to the housekeeper. I feel like um, theater, especially, you you really do form a fast community because yeah. you can work on a TV show and never really see anyone else, or you're not really interacting with everyone else, yeah. or you know you're just one at a time and you go wait in your trailer. But but you really do form like a little survival group when you're working on a play. Definitely, yeah. So so when I first moved to the city, that's what I did a lot of theater, and then I did I did a lot of TV too, like just guest stars, you know, Law and Order and stuff like that. You did Law and Order. Yes. What did you play on Law and Order? I did two Law and Orders. Oh. Once I played, oh, Mo Rocca, do you know him? Of course. Yeah, he played my brother, and he dies uh-huh. in the episode, and then they spend the rest of the episode trying to figure out who murdered him, and I play his sister, and he's been like taking care of me because our parents died or whatever. So that was my very first one. And then I played one, I, I did Law and Order SVU, and I played a a um, prostitute, a high-end prostitute, mm-hmm. though. And um, I get kidnapped by this guy who's, like, doing awful th- – I mean, it was awful. It was really sad and awful. But he's, like, capturing girls and chasing them down and drugging them and I mean, it, torturing them. And So I played I – I get tortured. And, really, but they saved me at the end. Oh, good, good, They good. saved so me. The, I didn't die. I didn't die. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, because I feel like that is kind of a rite of passage if you're a New York actor having yeah. been through the Law and Order. Like once you – oh, I finally got my Law and Order. Yeah, like, definitely. So I, I remember getting that Law and Order one with Morocco and I was like – Yes, you know, it was like the best thing. Like I just, I, I feel like I remember everything about that experience because I was so excited about it. Did you get interrogated? Um, a lot. Yeah, yeah. Who, got, who was the? Who um, were the cops on the show at oh that time? God. It was Mr. Big. Sorry. Oh yeah, Chris Noth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I had did, did a lot of scenes with him and um, Juliana. Um, I don't remember. Who was the other? I don't remember. It wasn't. I don't remember who the other. Who was his? It wasn't. uh, It wasn't Jerry Orbach, was it? No. Kyle. I don't think so. For SVU, for the other one. No, for the other one. Chris Noth. Oh, Chris. Was Chris Noth SVU? 
No, that was Vincent D'Onofrio. Criminal intent. Criminal intent. Oh my God, there's so many of them. So much law and order in our lives. Anyway, yeah, I got I got interrogated a lot. That's pretty rad. That was that was a show that I always wanted to do. I did a CSI, but I never did a Law and Order. But but I uh, but I uh, I'm curious when you first kind of started. Where did you go from the studio apartment? Oh gosh, <laughs> actually, I actually after that studio apartment, I actually went back to Nebraska for a short time because I was totally broke. <laughs> sure. And I worked at a coffee shop and I saved up, um, I saved up a thousand dollars, which now seems like kind of silly, but I was like, now I've got a thousand dollars, I'll move back to New York City. That's amazing. So, so then I moved back, and then I I found an apartment um, in Brooklyn. And a few blocks away was a coffee shop called Gimme Coffee. So I found my apartment. And I, I, I actually moved in with that same girl, Kelly. We decided I had kept in touch with her. And we got, you know, a two-bedroom, though. So I had, like, my own bedroom. And um, I just walked around the neighborhood. And Gimme Coffee hired me to, to work there. So, th- yeah. So then I was living in Brooklyn. And I lived at that spot for a while. That's so. Years. That's pretty ballsy to just be like, okay, now I have another moon. I'm going to go back. Like, just going to New York with a thousand dollars, where you have no I know. idea. And actually, yeah. And I found my job though at the coffee shop, like within the first few days of of moving back to New York. And that apartment, I only had to have didn't require any it was like kind of a sketchy deal but it worked for me like i was like i'll do it but i remember the landlord was like oh he just wanted to meet people like we didn't have to have a deposit we didn't have to do any of that we just had to pay first month's rent and um it was sixteen hundred dollars so i had eight so that was exactly the right amount of money because i had eight hundred dollars you know i could i had a thousand dollars yeah so um, so you had two two hundred dollars left, left to eat food yes but then i but i immediately started working at the coffee shop so i like started making money and you know. That's good. Yeah, it was all good. And it wasn't too long before I got like another theater. You know, I was always I, I never went too long without like some kind of gig, you know. Do you which is a good lesson in just like, you know, just just do it. If you had waited in Nebraska, you might still yeah, I be was, hoping that you were in New York and oh I'm saving money, I guess. Yeah, people always um I mean everybody has a different sort of plan and path and things that are important to them, but I will say I think I sometimes people will be like, well, I need to have this and this and this and this and this set before I do this other thing, you know, like before I'm going to go to New York and be an actor or before I'm going to go like write a song or something like I have to do all these other like life maintenance things. And I'm sort of I get too uncomfortable if I have an idea, I have to kind of just like follow it through. That's good. Because yeah. you, if you if you if you overthink it before you do it, then a lot of times you just might not do it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'll never. Oh, I need this. Or yeah, I need and this. that was like terrifying idea to me. Like I really didn't want to stay in Nebraska. Now I look back and I'm like, oh, Nebraska was a fine place to grow up and really nice, and there's really amazing things about it. But at the time, I was just I wanted to get out of there. Like I was plotting. You know. Do you ever my, think you'll move back someday? Do you think you'll just buy a house in Nebraska just to go back? Um, no. <laughs> I don't. Sometimes when I was on tour, actually, we were. I would. We would go past little towns or little nice communities and stuff, and I would think to my. I would fantasize about it. Would be nice to like take a year and like live. But I. I feel like I get to do that. Like with Walking Dead, I got to live in like a little town in Georgia. Yeah. Being an actor, you get to experience different environments but i do sometimes have this fantasy of like living in a small town for just like a year just more as like a break yeah you know i think and just to like live life and not be you know 
you know, just a break. I'm sure you feel, do you ever feel that way or no? Yeah, no, I do. I mean, I, I love my job, but there's something about having some clear headspace. I think for writing too. Oh, well, yeah. You know? Well, you need, you need it, you know, yeah. you, you need to clear your head to be inspired. There sometimes you, you might get lucky and you're, oh, I'm inspired right now. But a lot of times if your head is filled with all the shit that you have to do, it can be a little intense, but yeah. I, I, I'll travel across the country and driving to, you know, wherever I'm performing if I, and I see, oh, this will be so great to live in this area. This is so peaceful. But I feel like if I did it for two weeks, I'd start to get freaked out. Like, yeah. oh, I, I, need, I need to do something now. I can't just sit here. I yeah. can't just sit here. I have to do something. Yeah, I feel like it would be fun for a bit, like to pretend to live there for a bit. And then like, <laughs> you know. But it's hard. It's also, you know, we're so conditioned in this business like we got to take the opportunities because they're not, yeah. which maybe is true or not true. I don't know. But I, I do feel, you know, for me, I sort of feel like, well, there's windows and my career's had ups and downs and now things are good. So I'm going to pursue these while I can. Yeah. And I, I would imagine, I mean, do you, do you feel that way? Yeah. I mean, right now I'm having a lot of fun. Like I, yeah, I, I don't feel any need to. I mean, sometimes I'm like, oh, it'd be nice to take like a small, like a week off or sure. something like that. Like I could definitely use that. <laughs> but, um, but I'm having a lot of fun. Like I feel like the things that I wanted to do when I was in Nebraska, I'm like, God, I got to get out of here. I got to like make music and do plays and act in cool TV shows. Like I'm getting to do that. So you're I literally feel, doing all those things. So like, I feel like it's all pretty fun right now. Like I'm, I, I want to keep doing more of it. So anything I can do to like make sure that I can keep doing it is really, you know, it's good for me. If you had a, a good acting gig or a good music gig on the same night and you had to pick one, oh. what would you, what would you choose? It would really depend on what they were. What it That's was like, so hard to pick. Carnegie Hall oh or God. like, I don't know, whatever your favorite TV show yeah. is or, favorite, or, like, or like to work with a director. The, I know. You know what? I have to say if it really truly was a huge opportunity for music, I'd probably choose music only because there's something about it being your own. Right. You know, it's like I'm like, like it's so wonderful to be picked to be in a TV show or because like you audition or someone reaches out to you or to be picked to be in someone else's basically though bigger vision mm -hmm. you know and like with music it's like it starts with my brain and my vision and you know so there's something about if someone was like oh here's a huge opportunity for this thing that you that came from your head right and created that's pretty special yeah and then you'd also have to pretend to be someone else and you get to be yourself when you're on yeah stage. there's something about being yourself yeah, that's pretty cool. I think I would probably choose the same thing. Yeah. Do you, uh, uh, when you first started realizing, like, oh, I'm working, I'm actually making a little bit of money, do, yeah. you, do you have a memory of what your first – was there one luxury item that you're like, oh, my God, I can afford to buy this thing now? Oh. Or was it just, oh I don't have to worry about where money's going to come from next week? Oh, man. You know what I um, – I do remember when I was like – no more roommates. Like, <laughs> I'm getting... I remember when I got my first apartment that was just all mine in New York City. And it was something that I had been, like, you know, doing all the, like, journaling and secret shit and all of that. You know, like, this, like, yeah. like someday I want an apartment that is completely my own. And I'm just going to, like, <laughs> sit in the middle of it and be, like, you know, in New York City. Like, I, this whole idea of, like, having an apartment of my own in New York City 
has been in my mind since probably I moved there because I was like, oh, I just want my own place. But um, And I remember moving into the apartment, and I still have it. Um, I mean, I just moved to L.A., but I'm keeping that apartment. Oh, yeah, we got <laughs> to, yeah, like, yeah. I can't leave. <laughs> can't like, I, had, I can't let it go. But I remember moving my stuff in, and I barely had any furniture because I had always lived with roommates. And I just remember sitting there and being really, like, in the middle of the floor, just being like, yes. I felt so happy. I mean, L.A. is an expensive place to live, but New York is... It's pretty intense. Hilariously yeah. oppressive. Even yeah. Brooklyn now, like it's not. It's even... like you can be making so much money and be like, f- and be like, walking up tons of like like <laughs> stairs in your place. Like none, like is I don't know. The buildings are kind of old and, um, which is cool and charming. But yeah, you can definitely make a lot of money and still be living in, in a way that some people might consider kind of like not, n- not the best. Do you like conditions. LA? Um, I like LA. Yeah. I, I liked, I needed a bit of a change, I think. Um, I like L.A. Yeah, I definitely feel like I want to die in New York City. <laughs> <laughs> like, if I can choose. Right. Like, like, I want to, like, be doing plays. If I'm if I'm lucky enough to live that long and stay healthy, I want to, like, be doing plays when I'm, like, 80 and, like, running around on stage. And But um, I like living in L.A. for right now. My little sister lives here. She goes to law school. She's very different. Than me. Oh wow! She's yeah. She, she's like um, she's pretty smart and tough, and um, but she's at law school at UCLA, and it's been kind of cool having her in LA. And I was realizing it's nice to like live close to family, and um, so I'm digging it right now. And the weather and everything's just a bit a little you know, bit easier. I'm telling you, to be honest, people and, shit on LA all the time, but if you spend I, some time here, the weather really does help. A lot. The weather is really. It's, seasons are nice. It's yeah. fun. It, I like visiting seasons. Yeah. But I also love kind of knowing, like, ah, oh, the weather's probably going to be okay today, and the sky's yeah. blue. Yeah. Like, and you're that's not going nice. to get totally rained on, and the you know, there's something about New York that's just a little bit more stressful. <laughs> like, I feel like I sleep more here too. I'm telling you, it like it really. If you can survive the elements and the culture, and the if you can survive all of the external stuff. Because I think the soul of New York is amazing, and there's a there is a as gruff as some people can be. There's a spirit of community there that we don't have in L.A. Because L.A. is not a real city. Mm-hmm. L.A. is a collection of small little communities connected by traffic. And but New York is really a you feel the community of New York, and it's so special if you can survive the living situation yeah. and the transportation and trying to get you know yeah all that stuff yeah. But even you know. Even, like, dating in New York, I feel like, is easier. Maybe I'm wrong, but it's just like, oh, you could just walk out of your apartment. There's probably, like, ten bars where people are collected. You can wander into things in New York. And here in L.A., everything's very intentional. You you need to go places on purpose. Yeah, that's true. I definitely feel like I would, in New York, just, like, wander out of my apartment and get caught up in something, you know? And also, time just seems to go by really, really fast. Like, I look at the clock and it's 3 a.m. or something. We're here. It's like, well, it's time to go to sleep now. It's 11 o'clock or whatever time. Like, there's just, time is different here. I feel like there's more, <laughs> there's more space and time here for some reason. But Do you write better when you're under stress or mm-hmm. if you have a deadline or if you're just completely relaxed and you have nothing, you have nothing to worry about? I like writing more when I'm totally relaxed and have a whole day of nothing 
then I, I get a lot of ideas, like you said. But um, I also write really well when I have a lot of auditions because, like, I use the two to, like, sort of put off the two. Like, so the problem with writing is sometimes, you know, you get an idea and you get inspired and then, like, the finishing of it, like, figuring, like, you have to start making choices, you know. Right. And sometimes I'm, like, it's still bouncing around in my head. I want to take my time to figure out what those choices are. Um, but there's something about if I also have like all these audition sides I'm supposed to learn, then like, then I like play around on my guitar. Like, or, you know, then I'm, like, I mean, I'm not saying like I procrastinate, but there's something about having a lot to do that sure. makes you start to like, well, you have to work on one of them, you know? Like, yeah. You can't. So, but I enjoy writing when I have like a whole, like, whenever that happens to happen it hasn't happened in a while but if i do have like two days off like two completely empty days i love writing then i'm always so jealous of musicians just because when you do stand up and you write a joke mm-hmm. once people hear the joke they're like well we don't need to hear that again now we already Aww. know what the joke is <laughs> you know but you could you could just sit down and write something and then for years people would be like do play that again yeah. and you, you can sort of coast on that and i always i was like oh that'd be so amazing you know i mean do you yeah. feel pressure to constantly have to write new stuff or do you like to sort of just hone and perfect things and stick with them um i feel the need to constantly make new stuff so cuz like i yeah i get like tired of Sometimes I get tired of songs, but are you tired? Like, how do you, you feel the need to like constantly make new, make new? How do you feel about your your original stuff, like your old 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 stuff? Yeah, I there's there's sometimes um, people will come to shows and they'll be like, play Blue Toothbrush, which is which is that first like EP that mm-hmm. I did with Walking Dead, and I'm like, no, like <laughs> I refuse. <laughs> like, not that I'm not proud of it. I remember working on it and really like enjoying, you know. Um, yeah, and enjoying making it and feeling like proud of myself for like putting it all together and everything. But I'm like, I don't want like, to play Bluetooth brush. I don't want like to play Bluetooth brush. I don't want to play. I don't think- wanna play. <laughs> 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 I'm like, no, I'm not gonna. You're gonna have to like YouTube it or something. Is it- <laughs> <laughs> not right now. Get I feel off like your phone. You could tell jokes over again because I feel like I guess you can't. I I guess you-, you can't like go back to like if you're gonna go on like a tour like a comedy. T- club tour you can't can't really like when you you know every time you go through a town you kind of have to have at least most almost mostly if not all entirely new material yeah because otherwise people will just be like oh you're just gonna tell the same fucking jokes again but you know but but with a song you know song is such a journey for people and it anchors them in a time and a joke is more like a magic trick where there's a turn and then people right get it and then they don't but occasionally someone will you know go I really like this joke. I want you to, you know, do this one joke because something oh, wow. about it was in, was special. Yeah. But in general, people don't do that. Yeah, with I guess comedy. like live, you can't. I was just thinking about the fact that like, how many times do we like YouTube the same thi- like funny video or like the same funny? I don't know. Yeah, I, like, you know, but that's different. I, guess. I, I think. I mean, it, it, it. But you know, you really are people because people, especially with music, they'll bring a lot to a song. You know, they bring their own baggage to a song. Yeah. It'll, might mean something to you it could mean something totally different to them and who's to say who's right i mean yeah totally you know what you intended but you can't really tell someone they're not allowed to have the experience that they're having yeah i mean are you cool with that like just like you put stuff out there and you sort of just let it go and it's gonna be whatever it's gonna be yeah and actually i was just thinking the songs too for me start to 
sometimes change meaning, like, or, or I start to see them in different ways, which is totally interesting. Like, I remember where I was writing them and who I was thinking about when I was writing them or, or the situation that I was thinking about. But it's funny how then when you perform them over and over and over again, they do start to take on their own little life, mm-hmm. and you start to attach new things to them. And, like, words that I've written now, I'm like, oh, this is making me think of this new person that I isn't that interesting like they start to take on their own it's more like you're just like doing this thing and you write this thing and then it sort of starts to take on its own life do you have songs that are so deeply personal that you you sort of feel like I'll never really tell anyone what this is actually about I'll just kind of let them yeah yeah I do kind of I feel like I want to I don't feel like it comes necessarily naturally to be like, this song is about this and I was doing this and it's about exact, like this exact person. I don't feel like that comes necessarily naturally, but you end up doing it in interviews and you end up telling people about it because you know that the fans will connect to it in a, in a new way and in a special way and they'll connect to you and your journey as a songwriter and you know maybe they'll be more interested in, in the whole project. So I feel like I end up telling the story about it. But it's not... <laughs> necessarily something that I always want to do. There's a song called Dad Says that I don't know why, but I hate singing it as much as like people love for me to sing it in shows and always be like, that's, that was my favorite one. And I like sing it acapella and it's this whole moment. But it seriously feels like it takes a toll on me. Like I don't love because when I wrote it, I was really sad. And so it's hard. So to- it's hard to just like do that. Like you have to experience it every time. I feel like I do. I, even if I even if I try to block it and just be like, "Well, I'm doing it for this reason." Yeah. It's it does. I, I sang it every night of tour, and it still was like very. I don't know. I guess that's like the actor that like you go back to that place and you like, you know, and and I actually do usually tell a bit of a story with it when I perform it, but um, it's. Yeah, I'll and I'll even ask my band. I'll be like, mm, I'm not gonna do Dad says tonight, probably. And they'll be like, You should do it. And then I'm like, mm, I just, yeah, it's the first one I cut when I when I know I'm gonna be like over time at a set or this or that because it takes. I feel like it physically like takes a toll on me. I know that sounds weird, but like it takes. It doesn't sound weird at all. Like, I mean, if you if you wrote it about something that was personal to you, yeah. and you and either. You can either tell me what that is, or we can say to the audience, like, well, if you want to know, go see the show. Go see, oh, yeah, go see the yeah, show. Yeah. <laughs> but, or check it out. It's on Expired Low. It's on, it was on my last album. Now I'm talking about songs from my last album. But. Right. But I think people, you know, I think sometimes when you're a live performer, sometimes people are like, oh, you're a puppet, and you should just uh, get up there yeah. and dance around for my, you know, because <laughs> it's, you know, it's a, it's a very nice thing that an audience does, because it's very difficult, especially now, with so many distractions with the with our devices and internet and what's available to us. And there's a glut of entertainment. It's, it's a very nice thing for someone to get up, put on clothes, leave their house, park at a venue, go inside, be around a bunch of strangers and say to you, Emily, all right, here I am, you know, take me on a journey. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, just to get up and go to a show, you're right. It's such a, is such a like thing now cuz you could do you could have so much entertainment just stay at home. Yeah. It's scary to go out into the world. <laughs> yeah. And I you know it's even for me I love to go see live music. Like when I first moved to New York City that was my favorite thing to do. And it's still like 
it is my favorite thing to do. And I, I still have a hard time making, you know, making time for it. I wonder if there's any, <laughs> it's kind of funny that, it, you know, no matter how many times you might do that song, that it, it doesn't get any easier each time that you still yeah. don't get more, you know, at least a little more armor from each time. I do get armor, but I don't know. It, it just feels like it wears me out. Yeah. <laughs> And do you know when you meet people after shows and they go, "Why didn't you play this?" Are you like, "For Christ's sake, I'm one person. I no. just need to. I only have so much energy." Or are you like, "Well, well, I yeah." I usually like, I do take it into account if someone says they missed a song and they are someone who comes to a lot of shows because I do want like people to hear what they want. Like you said, if they came to see your show and they're fans, um, but. Some songs fill me up more. Like, they give me energy, though. Mm -hmm. That song, for some reason, just, like, wears me out. And there's actually songs from the new album. Um, There's one called Crash and Burn. And then there's another song called Weapons. And Crash and Burn especially, I haven't played it any... Even though they've been... I've had release shows. (laughs) I keep not playing this song. And I will play it, I think, during this next tour in November... But it's another one where it just – it was very personal when I wrote it. And, like, I almost, like, haven't been talking about it. And now that the, the album is out, I've seen a few, few people – actually, someone this morning tweeted at me, um, out, out of all the songs on your album, I love Crash and Burn the most. And um, how come you haven't been playing it? And I was like – I mean, obviously, I didn't tweet them back. But um, something – certain ones, I don't – I love writing them, but maybe there's just something uncomfortable about – I guess that's why I should play them, right? Because people want to be moved and want to feel sad or uncomfortable or they want to feel something, you know, well, when they come to a to show. Well, it's up to you as the performer to decide whatever you want to do. But I will say that yeah. as an audience member, to know that something that's meaningful to me is also deeply meaningful to you. Yeah. I mean, that's a real emotional arc in a show. You just have to decide if you can handle it, you know, like if you can snap, oh, if you yeah. can come back from it afterwards and be like, okay, all right, uh, and then, you know, do something with more energy. Yeah. But, but I can tell you that in terms of the narrative of each show, you know, those are the moments that people will really connect with and they'll, you know, like that that will make them keep coming back to see you every time because they go, wow, what a what an incredible – and also it's so human to see someone expose themselves emotionally right. – because you want to connect with that and it makes you feel things and it's, you know, and so, I, you know, I think, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. But I also know that I think... Um, yeah, those are the ones you have to do. Like, th- those are the spots, the source you know, spots. When you look at your set holistic, when you look at the entire set, you, you know, there are going to be some that are happier and some that are sad. And I think that's where, you know, people are really going to take this whole trip with you and then by the end go, wow, and they feel a lot of things and they'll keep talking about it, you know. Yeah. So I, I, think those are, I think those are good things to do even though I know they're, even though I know they're hard. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, but again, you'll just have to decide when you're standing on stage, like, okay, I have the energy for this tonight or no, I don't. <laughs> I, mean, I, think some, I think part of the trick to being a good f- performer is finding the energy even though you feel like – yeah. I haven't slept in three days. We've been driving, you know. Totally. I've had Cracker Barrel four times in the past two <laughs> <Yeah>. days. And <laughs> kind bars. That was on, yeah, like kind bars for your dinner. Like that's what, that's kind of a. You're, you're definitely the kind bar dinner. I've done that so many times. And yeah. It's like, they're smushed at the bottom of my bag yeah. that I travel with. And I just got to like peel the, the plastic is fused to that <laughs> <Yeah>. sticky <laughs> 
blueberry, whatever the. Yeah. I, mean, I feel like I'm. I feel like a fucking parrot. Like I feel like I'm eating bird food. Yeah. You know, whenever I pull out a kind bar, but I'm told they're good for you. They're good for you, I think. So I always have them in my guitar. But yeah, I always have them. That's that's been dinner. Can you eat before a show, or do you have? I don't you... eat a lot. That's why kind. That's why I end up eating stuff like that. Yeah. I feel like, but also sometimes the options available, you know, in different towns and stuff like that. I mean, sure. Not being, you know. Do you have anything crazy on your rider that your agent put? Because sometimes agents will put crazy things on a rider to see yeah. if the venues are paying attention. Yeah. Do you have any? What, what's on your well, What's on your rider? I have. I, I had one thing that w- I was actually genuinely interested in. Like I, I was like, oh, I'm gonna put one like kind of s- s- fun special thing. I'm really into coffee and like local coffee. So I put like you know, um, a like a bag of your of your like local coffee, whatever your best local coffee shop or like locally roasted coffee is and stuff and then but the thing is these venues they're like just showing up to work and then they're like getting the stuff really fast whatever's on the rider and they're like okay i'll get like the oranges and that like they and so like nobody really did it like every like because they're like i'm not going all the way over to blah 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 to get like like i just went to the grocery store and i'm grabbing a, a thing of like the starbucks or the dunkin donuts like whatever you know like so it didn't really work. Like, that was the only thing that I was like, I'm going to do something kind of, like, special and quirky. You know what's going to happen now, Emily Kinney? What? <laughs> Whatever city you go to, your fans are going to you're gonna, gonna bring bags of local yeah. coffee. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna be like, why did I say that? Your tow vehicle is going to be just packed full of locally yeah. sourced, <laughs> locally grown coffee. Yeah. Yeah, I've definitely had, like, fans bring me coffee because they know that I'm, like, into it and into different kinds of coffee and stuff but um but yeah that's the only thing that's that crazy mostly I, it's like pretzels and almonds like really boring stuff i try to eat i try to put healthy stuff yeah if i put anything it's what good do you put? it's good oh, do you put anything or? um i have uh you know my assistant came up with a list of things that she noticed that i that i consume a lot mm-hmm. and so I started seeing this shit pop up in dressing rooms, and and I was a complete moron about. It. I'm like, how did you know to get these protein bars? Wow, yeah. what a great guy! I just thought they. <laughs> like, oh, you're rider. I mean, like mine's very simple. It's just because I don't drink alcohol, so it was just basically like a little bit of sparkling water, like a couple yeah. protein bars, decaf coffee. Mm-hmm. If there's a Starbucks nearby, I'll have them get like a chai latte. If not, it's not a big deal. I can yeah. grab one on the way to the show. But yeah, it's very. It's really boring. Like my ride yeah, is really boring. boring. Yeah. But I also, I also, I don't want people having to run all over the place to. You I know, guess like I, I feel don't bad, either. You know? I yeah. feel, like, but I didn't real like when I, the first time I made a rider was really for this last like tour where I was like, oh, what something like like I remember my managers emailing me is there something special you want? And I just I was more like I was like oh that'll be a fun thing. But now that I've been watching, yeah, it's like they don't want an extra thing to do. But I will say don't. this: there is something that's really nice about. Because there's so much that you just can't control, and especially when you're on the road and you're away from home and you're, you, yeah. know, you don't know whatever what's going to happen. It's it's really nice to have as many certain things as possible. Yeah. So when you show up to somewhere, that's why because I, I get shit all the time. People are like, why do you drink Starbucks? Why do you drink local coffee? And I go, yeah. hey, I'm not trying to fuck over the people who are local coffee artisans. It's just <laughs> I have a lot of uncertainty in my life, and yeah. knowing that a Starbucks is the same every time. I do agree with seeing that. Seeing it in that yeah. room makes me feel like, oh, here's a little piece of home. Like I just feel comfortable seeing that. Yeah, I do agree that like I will go. It's not like I'm. I'm definitely not against Starbucks, and I like it for that reason that I know it's gonna like if I get an Americano from Starbucks like I know what it's gonna taste like I know what you know like it's yeah 
exactly what you want and you know your chai latte is going to taste a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's, I almost want to say, like, I'm only doing this for you guys because if I feel more comfortable, the show's going to be better. Yeah, and yeah. Here, and then I feel good and then you guys are happy and then everything's great. Yeah. And everything leaves good. Yeah. Um, do you want to, what do you think? Do you want to, this is totally up to you. Yeah. Dealer's choice. Do you want to end the podcast with two songs or do you want to start with one and end with one? Do you want to bookend? Um... E- wow, I don't know. What do you think is better? Maybe the bookend. Do you want a bookend? Yeah, sure. So which song would you want us to play first? Would you want us um, to? Never Leave L.A. Never Leave L.A. Okay. So. Um, do you want. I'm, I know I just told you I didn't want to talk about them. Do you want me to talk about <laughs> You don't have to. No, I will. Here. I will. But I didn't know. I, yeah, no. I felt. You know, this podcast is all about you and whatever you oh. want. This is your <laughs> domain. Um, if you want to talk about it. Yeah, what what is Never Leave L.A. about, besides never leaving L.A.? Oh, yeah, I mean, it's just about, like, like falling in love. And I, I had a friend, actually, who said that he met a guy, or he met a guy, he met a girl on, on a movie set when he was in filming some movie in, like, Texas. And um, a girl who was a local hire had, was also working on the movie, and um, they liked each other. And she was like, oh, I'll come visit you sometime in L.A. So the movie ended, they got done filming, and she, you know, got a ticket to just come for like the weekend because they were going to see how it worked out. And um, she she got there and he just like lived in this, you know, little small studio or whatever. And she ended up staying. This is a friend of mine. Um, she ended up staying and just like never left. And then now they're like married. And oh, wow. And stuff. Yeah. So that was like part of the inspiration. For Good the weekend. Yeah. Like that was part of the <laughs> was the idea of like. And at the time when I wrote the song, I wasn't living in L.A., but I had met someone that I really liked. And I was thinking, oh, like I was sort of thinking of my friend and I was, and I was like, oh, I want to just like move it, just like do it, just like move in and just like fall in love. Yeah. <laughs> that it, sounds nice. Like just to meet someone nice. in L.A. and be like, let's just do this. Like, let's like uh, let's be in love and like be together. So that's what that song was like, hoping that would happen. Are you able to manage – I mean it's tough It's it's tough to have the – well, not only just the life of an actor but the, also the life of a touring musician too. Yeah. I mean it's very – I mean it's it's stressful and it takes a toll and you, mm-hmm. and you miss people. Do you, like, do you like the idea of being in love and having to travel or are you sort of like, you know, maybe that's for when I'm settled. Like how do you see the whole thing? Um, I would love if I met someone who could just like deal with the fact that sometimes I have to leave a lot, you know, like I would love it. I, I mean, yeah, I, I want to be with, I want to have a partner Yeah. in, you know, so, but I also love my job. So I want a partner who like gets it. Yeah. I think ultimately you just sort of, you know, yeah, you changes. And sometimes I think you want to be home more and sometimes like, yeah, I like both. I like, I like, I like the idea of like being homey and like whatever, but yeah, I, I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. Yeah, you know, and also you're still, you're still young. It's not like you have to figure everything out <laughs> this minute. But it is hard no. not to think about the big ticket items sometimes. You're like, what do I really, you know, what do I want? I will, no, I, yeah, I definitely want to be in a really like I. I mean, yeah. I have to. Can I just give you a piece of unsolicited advice? Sure. Don't ever take on big ticket items. Big ticket emotional items, big life choices when you're exhausted. Like if you come to the end of the tour, yeah, or if you come to the end of work, or if it's like you've had a long day shooting or a long month shooting or whatever, mm-hmm. don't then go, What am I doing with my because you're already going to be a little emotionally raw from the experience, 
and you're not necessarily going to make the best decisions and everything's going to seem 10 times worse than it actually is. Yeah. So the only piece of advice that I would give you as as a (laughs) farmer is is when you feel those, ask yourself the question, wait, was I just in an emotionally compromised state (laughs) because I'm exhausted? Oh, yes, I was. All right, I'm going to table this now. Maybe I won't feel that way. Yeah. Are Are you good at separating logic from emotion in terms of when you have to make big decisions? Um, oh man, I don't know. I don't know. That's a good, I, I, I feel like I, I don't know. I did start doing this thing where I write in the morning, like, well, I haven't been doing it lately, but, um, where I would just write, um, it's, it's from that book, the artist way or whatever, but you just write like stream of consciousness, like writing, like in the morning. And, um, I actually started doing it when I when I found out Beth was going to die, and because um, I was feeling a little like all over the place and like, sure. very emotional and like what now apartment in Atlanta where am I, should I live, move to L A what should I do with myself it's a major life choice it was forced ma- upon you yeah so it was it was um, it was a thing so I was like okay this is I'm going to do this stream of consciousness writing thing and um, I would notice that some things were just that day were annoying me. But then there were the things that were would show up every day. And it's hard to write the same thing every day and not go, that has to change. Right. So, or this thing is making me happy every day. Or, you know, you could see. So I will say that, like, has helped me be like, is this actually a thing that's annoying me? Or am I just, like, PMSing? Or am I just, like, <laughs> or am I just, like, really sad because of this or that? Or am I just, like, you know, annoyed today because I'm really scared about, like, oh, my album just came out and I'm really freaking out? Wow, that's a really out. great idea for people because I think, you know, we try to solve so many of our problems in our head. Yeah. And it's very difficult when you have to solve problems and, like, well, now I have to get shit done to yeah. the, through the day. And it's, like, trying to balance all that stuff. But that's a really great – I never really did any of the artist way stuff – but that's a really good one. But that's good for like one. life, like more than just your art. You should art. really do that. I feel like everyone should do that every morning because how else will you really know until you bring something into the physical world so you can look at it objectively and go, oh, you pretend it's another person. Oh, this person's probably dealing with this and I'm that person. Maybe I should try to deal with some of this shit. Yeah, yeah. It was actually – this sounds kind of – but I at the time was sort of dating someone and it was not going well and I – that was one thing that was the hard thing where I was like every day it was like a source of like sort of pain for me, you know, and it wasn't like the kind of thing that I could fix like work. It wasn't like, oh, he does this thing. I just need to like talk about this one thing. Right. It was like, I mean, and it made I mean, it made it easier for me to like make a change, you know, <laughs> so, yeah. um, like so I do think it and it was the right I mean, was the right decision. But um or if there's something that you're doing, like, oh, I'm so annoyed that I feel this way or that way, that, you know, you can, like, change. Does it weird you out at all? Like, if you date someone and then it makes the news and then people are talking about it and you're like, that's my personal oh, life. Oh, yeah, that makes me feel weird. But That is weird, right? That's yeah, weird. it is weird. But I get it. I mean, I, but I, it's weird. I don't know. It's, it's unfortunate. It's, it's something that's only been, like, recent, I guess, in the last few rounds of whatever I mean, like i don't but know I, I don't know if how do people you... can really understand what that's like but it but i would imagine it feels very invasive like oh that's my personal line yeah well you can start to feel like like okay this thing where i'm talking about you're writing how you feel and in your world but you can start to f- think that the way other people feel actually matters to how you feel 
Does that... Sure. And, like, it doesn't, really. No. Not, not that everyone shouldn't have their... F- if you think I'm should be with someone or not or whatever, sure, tweet it, whatever. But, like, it doesn't... shouldn't matter to me. Right. Like, it should only matter to me how I feel in the relationship or if I like that person or if I want to be with that person. It shouldn't matter what you think. Right. But you can start to think it does matter. Yeah. And, that's, that's, <laughs> and that's it doesn't. Part of the danger of, you know, having our faces an inch from social media at all times yeah, is that yeah. you can you start you start thinking in these terms of like, oh, everyone says this or every time and it's like uh, maybe it's a hundred people, you know, like but, yeah, maybe, but when you yeah. see it under a microscope you go, Wow, it's everybody <laughs> Yeah. No, it's, not, it's not really it's not. No. Yeah, it's just like a few loud people on Twitter or yeah. something. Yeah. I mean anything I or think. in a magazine, or whatever, you know. The, fu- the funniest bit of accidental advice I, I ever heard was um, uh, Louis C.K. was talking about the, it's something about the internet and like the internet freaking out about stuff. And he goes, uh, yeah, if you just go off the internet for a few days, it's kind of like it never happened. You know, it's like yeah. if you don't get caught up in it, eventually people just get preoccupied with other things. Oh, yeah. Because we all have to be distracted at all times. Yeah. So it, it, it is good to remember like, oh, this doesn't mean everything. Right. No. Do you kind of, uh, do you kind of embrace those moments where – Things get weird or go sideways a little bit because you go, oh, I, I think I can write about this. You know, like I can get something interesting out of this. It's almost like, you know, a little bit of fodder for the for the machine. Yeah, I do feel like when I don't feel heard, when I don't feel understood, um, writing a song is really helpful. Because then I – because, you know, I do feel like sometimes in relationships, and not just like, like romantic relationships but all, um, or even that, like feeling like – Oh, those pe- like if someone is commenting a lot on your relationship and like a, if you're a public kind of person, whatever, not feeling like they're understanding where you're coming from or mm-hmm. not understanding what's really going on, a song is a good way to sort of be like, well, rather than to keep fighting someone, you know, um, you can write your well. No, this is from my point of view what I f- how I felt and what I feel like went went on or what I hope for, and it's like you've had a chance to really make it something yeah, and make yourself heard where like sometimes when you're talking to someone who you're dating or having a fight with someone, no matter what, you're not going to be heard because they're also worried about being understood and heard. Sure. And you know, sometimes it's just never going to happen. You're never going to be able to have that conversation. That's really satisfying. And I feel like for me, music is, and I've always told people this, like regardless of where it goes, um, as far as like, you know, selling albums or this or that. For me, writing a song is that itself is very satisfying. Just sitting down, writing, writing it, you know, playing it, making the thing, recording it for my own or doing a show or whatever, that itself is like really satisfying regardless of like if it's good or bad. Right. Or successful or not successful. Because you're able to convey yeah, so I'm, much more about what you're trying to say based yeah, on how you present the material. Yeah, I feel, I feel heard. I feel understood in some moment where I wasn't understood. So maybe you'll actually write a song about <laughs> why you don't want to perform Dad Says. No, no. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah, a whole, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's like the song that explains why no, you can't do, do this song. I do like... I The thing that keeps me performing that song is because people always mention it after. It's like, oh, that one made me think of like... My dad or that sure. song made me feel like this or, you know, like, so that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It is. And then, so you, so the, the other song you played, Michael is the other song. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, that song. So I wrote that song actually when I was doing a play in San Francisco 
and I met um, a really cool guy. And it's actually on my album. Um, there's two songs that go together, so that's the second part. The first part is a song called Berkeley's Breathing. Um, so it was while I was spending time in like Berkeley, California, basically. Yeah. So it kind of shows like those two songs kind of show two different times of but with the same person and like how I felt or how they made me feel at different times and just it's that feeling of um when you meet someone and you feel like they're like the same as you somehow like yeah. they like see the world the same way as you and I remember meeting this person and feeling that way like immediately like from the moment that we met it was like this person like is like sees things the same way I do somehow. Are you are you are you a fan of the Muppet movie? Um, yeah, I haven't seen that in so long though since I was little. Listen, if you get a chance, okay, watch the Muppet movie. Uh huh. There's a re- I mean, first of all, it's amazing and it totally holds up. But this guy named Paul Williams wrote all the music for it, and he's been on the podcast a couple of times. But he has he wrote one of my favorite lines in any song. Uh-huh. This, is, this one character Gonzo is having this existential crisis. Because he feels out of place, he feels alien, but he's down on the earth, and he doesn't. They're on this yeah. weird journey, and they, and, it, and there's a line where he says, um, "There's not a word yet for old friends who've just met." It's just like yeah. such a beautiful sentiment, but I feel like it's a lot of ex- it's exactly what you're saying. Yeah, so I think you, I think you would appreciate. Oh would yeah, appreciate that. yeah, that's exactly right. So you know, uh, watch the original Muppet movie when you get a I chance. Will. You know, when you, what do you, do you watch anything? Um, I don't have cable right now, but I do watch. I watch stuff. Yeah. I, 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 do you watch anything? <laughs> I watch stuff. I watch, I watch stuff. Look at television. I watch like television. I don't watch that much TV as much as I love acting. I just don't. I don't know. I just like the time just goes by so quickly in my day, and I, I don't watch. I, but I watch. I'm really into this show, The Affair. I just got into oh, Mr. You are? Robot. Um, Mr. Robot. But I'm behind, yes. so don't like. But I love it. I like. I love it so much. I haven't seen the affair, but I know they just came back. Uh, yeah, the second uh, people season. People seem to like it. Oh, it's so good. The music is really good too. It like, is. The I think the opening sequence is Fiona Apple. Like the music is great, and it's just it's so good. It kind of like goes back and forth between two point of views of what's happening, and I always think that's interesting. Like how the same scenario can be looked at and remembered differently. Like different people remember things just a bit differently. You know? That's cool. All right. I'll, yeah. I'll give it a shot. But there is. There's so much television. There's oh, so I, much television. I have a weird question for you. Okay. But this is, I don't know. This is sort of an ego question for me. I'm just curious. So, you know, you come on to Walking Dead season two. Yes. And then all of a sudden they announce, like, there's just going to be this weird show after Walking Dead to talk about oh. what just happened on Walking Dead. Yeah. Do you think that's weird or do you like, what? Or you, do you have an, even know that's happening or is that? Yeah. Is that because it's such a it was it was a, it's a strange thing to do. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, we got made fun of a lot. Like, you're just talking about, you know, and now it's become a part of the universe in a weird sort of way. But at the time. You know, did you, what did you, what did that feel like to you guys? Like, why is someone making a show about the fucking show that we're making? No, I thought, I mean, I, I like, I don't remember like exactly how I felt. I knew that it existed. I thought, I mean, I just remember thinking like, oh my God, a lot of people watch this show. Like for me, it was part of the whole snowball of like, cause it, the audience really, really grew between like season one, season two, and season three. Yeah, like grew really, really By a fast. Lot. And I noticed, and I feel like that was another sign of how big the show was getting. That people love it so much, 
and there's so many people watching it that like we need a show to like talk about it after. I mean, you know, like like to me it was like it was like another thing of like wow, this show is really affecting a lot of people. And you know, I was also noticing from the time that I started to now like just how much people like come up to you in the street or like between season two and season three, like how many more people were starting to watch the show. And, um, you know, I think people really appreciate things like talking, I mean, talking dead. And I, I do like, I think it's fun to watch and see, and you know, they get to see like their favorite characters, but then they get to see like the actor behind it and see that like, Oh, they're, this person playing it and you know, they get to, I think it's fun. And also like conventions are like that too. Like I always think, it's cool to go for me personally to go to conventions because when I'm working on the show, it's really sad and dark and it all feels very real to me. Like I know it's a show about zombies, but like we really live in it and we sort of like soak it all in. And then you go to a convention and people are like dressed as the characters and it's sort of like silly and fun and they're playing games that are like zombie themed. And I feel like it kind of brings this nice like fun element to it. Yeah, and well, I think the show is needs that a bit. It's fun, you know. It's good. And it's sort of like the, you know, with going through what you go through on stage when you're kind of feeling something. And I know it can be hard, but I also know that you know when you when you were on the show, you were great on. You were always great on Talking Dead, and, and also. But I know there were times, especially the last time you were on, where it was emotional. Yeah. But I also kind of feel like, you know, not at the expense of your pain, but just I think the fans will really appreciate that you care as much as they do and that you're not just like well you know where you can be very academic about it it's like this was just another job but like really yeah. seeing that it's important to you as it was to them i think is is one of the things that helps make it so special for them yeah it's sort of like that show that i mean your show is it's sort of like this nice little release after because it is such a serious like dark drama it's so intense and it's so nice to have like a moment <laughs> of like Oh, but it's like in we love this show and we love the characters and it's all right. and fun. Like it's fun. Like it's cool. You Are know? you going to be in any conventions coming up? I will be at. I'll probably be at the one in New York. There's like a New York Walker Stalker, mm-hmm. so I'll probably go to that one. And then I think I'm doing like. This zombie cruise, which sounded kind of like crazy and fun, but I know some of the other cast members are doing it too. So I was like, that, that could be really rad. fun. What if a what if a zombie outbreak really happened on the, on the zom- You would never I know. know because you'd think everyone was in costume. <laughs> um, is a, a so please promote everything that that you have oh. that's coming up that you want people to know about. Okay, well the biggest thing right now is um, is this is war. It's an album I worked really really hard on. I was working on it all while I was working on Walking Dead. Um, so. Go get it. It's at all your independent music stores as well as like Barnes and Noble and um, any place you can. If you want physical copy, you can also download it on iTunes and Amazon and stream it for free on Spotify or however you listen to your music. And then I've got a bunch of shows in November on my website if you want to see me live. Is it just um, emilykinney.com? Emilykinneymusic.com. Emilykinneymusic.com. Yeah. And also follow me on Instagram and Twitter and I keep everyone up to date. And the Knicks starts soon and I'll appear in the second season of that too. fantastic so if, if you're bored if you if you think about it you could you know like snapchat and periscope are kind of good ways to give people a sense of what your oh, yeah. shows are like like you could stream something. oh that's a really good idea maybe yeah. like our next show will do something like that yeah if you do something periscopey it's like it's live and it's in the moment people get to yeah. you know I mean, obviously I wouldn't periscope the whole show, but just a snippet just so people can yeah. kind of get a sense of what it's like because it is, you know, there is a little bit of an education process when people see you as one 
one idea and to show them like no it's all this other stuff too so I you're think so it, right yeah I think like, it's good just to show them like just show them yeah totally all right that's good. great uh, well we're gonna play uh, you're gonna play you're gonna play Michael now and uh, and that's gonna end the podcast we'll go out from there but I thank you so much for being here yeah thank you for having me and welcome to Los Angeles thank and, you so much oh absolutely I'm excited to. S- to have a new little chapter here it in is. LA. It's going to be, be really be fun. fun. Just to see how it affects your music too. To like, it, it, Me to too. Because it, it is so... It's so sunny here all the time. Yeah. Although we're about to hit a shitty rainy season. Okay. We're get, we're going to hit an uncharacteristic... <laughs> you're you're going to move to Los Angeles and it's, it's going to be rain, like, raining all the time. Yeah, it's not why I came here. <laughs> but uh, but it'll be fun to see how that how that grows. I mean, it's all yeah. it's all part of this fun journey. But uh, congratulations on everything. Thank you. It's good to see you. Good to see you too. And now here's Emily Kidding playing Michael here on the Nerdist podcast.
Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. Enhance your listening experience with Wondry Plus. Enjoy ad-free listening, exclusive content, binges, and more. Join Wondry Plus in the Wondry app or on Apple Podcasts.